daylight, lightning and the thunder, sun, moon, stars and the hunger, abundance in bundles, blessings and troubles, towers and tunnels, views and valleys, waves and bits. Hallucination, not the hallucination, like this idiot was saying last week, is the topic of this week's uh, episode of Canada FM. Uh, let's get into it. I'm Ted. I'm Brian. Yeah. And uh, what's it called? We are entering a world, Brian, of which I know very little. Electronic music. And you've been you've been a fan of electronic music ever since I've known you. Here and there, like uh, I dabbled with it. Like I was, I bought Daft Punk's homework in grade eight. Um, mm-hmm. I had that Euro Dance 2000 or whatever with all those classic 90s and early 2000s or late or 2000 jams. Yes. Um, and then I kind of drifted away, but then I kind of got back into it and Massive Attack. And it's not electronic, but it's trip hop. Electron, yeah, it's electronic light. Or adjacent, and yeah, I've just certain things have always kind of grabbed me back where I've I've liked it. And then when I went to University of Windsor for the state uh, radio station, there's a a festival in Detroit every Memorial Day weekend called Movement. And I sp- <laughs> originally when I was in there, I was I, I showed up with the other two people, it's like arms folded, like kicking the dirt, like this is gonna be stupid, and da da da. Because I'm like, literally, I was making jokes all the first day. I'm like, I think I've heard the same song just continuous for the last, like, ten hours. And they were just yeah. like, stop being such a suck and da 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 And then I got into it. And then actually seeing some of what some actual DJs were doing, not some friggin' uh, slap dick who's just like, oh, I got an iPod playlist. And I'm like, that's what Snoop Dogg was there. That's exactly what he did. He's literally just... Snoop, Snoop, was, Snoop was at this festival in Detroit that you went to? Yeah, and he was uh, DJing, and he, but it was clearly just like a playlist. Like he wasn't he remixing, was just... he wasn't beat matching. He was all this shit. But then, like someone like Skrillex was there, but he wasn't playing as Skrillex. He had like a partner. Uh, they okay. were part of this ensemble called Boys Noise, and they were good. Like, you can actually see what was going on, like like sound manipulation and things like that, and. I got to interview a few DJs. I don't think any of them are that popular here, but I think they probably in that scene, they're probably okay. pretty popular. And uh, just hearing them talk about it and what they try to accomplish for the crowd, it's uh, it gave me a further appreciation that it's more than just hitting a button and well, I just think watching that's... everyone pop ecstasy. <laughs> I think that that's where electronic music has always lost me, um, is the fact that... Um, with instrumental music with me ideally mainly uh, classical and jazz 
I can appreciate classical and jazz so much more if I go to the symphony or yeah. if I go to a jazz bar or even if I'm watching a video of a jazz group playing. I can appreciate it so much more with that visual component when you're watching someone play the sax or what have you. Um, it adds to it. It adds another level to it. Um, the visual component for a lot of DJs when it comes to electronica is you're right. It is pushing the bass button. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or something like that. Like, Because it, it's gone pretty far away from the the, uh, the DJs of the, the hip-hop era where you're actually yeah. seeing the scratching. and that That's cool to watch. But, yeah. um, you know... That is kind of what I've always steered clear from. Plus, there was like this this period where I'd go to the gym uh, in Perry Sound, and there'd be like these high school kids working out, and they'd bring like their own music. Like I was listening, but who am I? To, like, I listen to ska and punk when I'm on the treadmill, <laughs> so I'm not listening to exactly manly music. But they're playing like these Euro beats, and they just sounded so light and so poppy. Um, and I was like, eh, really? This is what gets you hype? Really? Like, like I said, I'm, I'm one to talk. But um, when I got into the hallucination, as we're going to talk about as we go through this, this is something I can appreciate because you're looking at a group here that created their own genre. Yeah. And I, I love it when I hear stuff like that. And not only that, like when like we're very much like lyric and melody and things like yeah. that. And yeah. so that's what grabs us. But I can see why people listen. I've been listening to it at the gym all week. And it's yeah. just like, you know, uh, you don't have to worry about lyrics for the most part. You don't have to worry about all these things. You just appreciate the music and you just get in your zone. So I can see whether it's softer beats or really hard. It's I can see why people work out to it. But also, um, there's a documentary on Public Enemy on YouTube everyone should watch. It's just an interesting little documentary. But oh. there's a scene in it where... It's like old footage of Chuck and the producers, The I forget their names, but they had that ensemble group called the Bomb Squad, who were basically their producers on those yes. early albums. Yes. Uh, the Shockley Brothers, Keith and Hank Shockley, that's who it is. Okay. And there's like scenes where they're like going through records and they're saying like, I want to put this sample here. And it's like, it's there's a whole science to it about where to put yeah. what. And also... Those guys pour over samples and samples and samples. Oh, yeah. and sa like They go through hundreds of records to try to find what will work here. And it's well, the same thing. Like They should do more behind-the-scenes footage making electronic music because people think it's just like mashing on a button pad. But no, there's probably like, you know, we got to put this here. Where do we turn this up, turn this down, manipulate that? There's a whole friggin' process. I will and get this... It'll give people more appreciation for it. Absolutely. I remember uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, the Tribe Called Quest documentary that we saw, where you actually saw Q-Tip putting together uh, yeah. one of the songs. And what was cool was you had these teenagers going out and buying like old jazz records, old funk records that they normally wouldn't listen to, that their parents would listen to. And here they are, they're trying to take the bass from this, they're trying to take the organ from that. Yeah. And this is before we had Cool Edit Pro or Audacity or something simple to put together uh, uh, a song like that so they were it was a painstaking process as you oh, said yeah. um, and we'll get into a little bit how the hallucination uh, initially came up with some of their uh, their tunes but uh, to tell the story of the hallucination we go to Ottawa in 2007 
Ian Campo, a.k.a. DJ NDN, was a nightclub bouncer turned DJ. And after spinning records at several Korean, South Asian, and East Indian youth parties, he wondered why he hadn't seen such an event targeted toward indigenous youth. Now, these parties that he's talking about were very popular in the Hamilton uh, University scene. And this is going to be a theme. Fair warning to everyone. You are going to have two white guys <laughs> talking a lot about indigenous um, uh, issues and culturally cultural stuff uh, during this episode. So we're going to try to call it right down the middle. We're not going to try to get into areas that we don't know anything about where we're way out of our element and try to act like experts. Don't worry. We're not going to do anything like that. But... I know with me, sometimes you look back on your life and you'll say, wow, that was a pretty racist thing that we all did. And I'll say that we would go to, and you'd had to bounce a couple of East Indian parties. Yep. I've been to a couple just as a guest. Um, the racist terminology we used back then was called brown jam. <laughs> My boss was brown. And that's what he called I it. I know. I know. The East Indian people I knew would say it too. But then we got all these white people saying it. I don't know. That's just what we called it in Hamilton back then. Um, and I, I think remember it's going, one of those things where it's not used maliciously. So people like, if, especially if those yeah. people, like if you're friends with like, we, we, we were friends with a couple of brown fellas. Yeah. Uh, some of Tom's friends and people we just, we just knew. And, you know, they all called it that. And they're like, we were like, can we call it that? And like, it's fine. Because <laughs> we're not being <laughs> yeah. racist about it. So it's like. But you do go to these parties and it is, it is it's culture on display. You know, yeah. um, they've got, you know, I'm just talking about the East Indian party. I went to a Polish jam once and it was really, they had some vodka and it was just a bunch of white people hanging out. That's all it was. <laughs> they play authentic Polish music. Uh, but, you know, they've got some authentic food there. Um, people are wearing the authentic uh, garb. Um, oh, yeah. And the music is cool. And you know, East Indian hip hop is awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. One of my favorite songs. Yeah. One of my favorite songs that I like originally I used to listen to as a goof, but now I love it. Was I forget who, um, I forget what the actual DJ's name is, but he samples the Knight Rider theme song. That oh, one, then, Punjabi MC. Well, that's what it's called, but the, that's yeah. the the artist. I forget his name, Hold but on. it's uh, and then they they fuse in like that the Indian like guitar, the sitar, where it's the with the. Oh, you gotta play some of this area. Oh, I'm gonna drop it in right now. It's so great. That's one of my favorite songs. I just listen to it whenever I want to as because I enjoy it. It's not like, oh, look at this. It's kitschy. No, it's just very good. Mundian to Bat K. That's the one. That's what it's called. And the guy named Rajveer Dami is better known as Punjabi MC. That's yeah. Name. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. And what was the one that was the theme? The other one you used to always play was the, the opening theme to In Inside Man. That was an oh, awesome song. Oh, yeah. I forget. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. But anyhow, we'll play a little bit of that here, too. There you I have go. no idea what they're saying. For all we know, we could be saying very racist rhetoric and stuff that they're saying, but probably not. But like, uh, do you remember when Tom tried to act like he knew what they were saying? And he's like, he, he well, he's, like, a, like, he's a linguistic student. Okay. <laughs> you know, you, 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 that's a, a skill that you, you try to pick up on is trying to, you know, figure out what people are saying in movies and television and music in a different language. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 
Well, let's get into what Ian Campbell had discovered after DJing a bunch of these parties. Uh, he was a member of the Nipissing First Nation, and he discussed the idea with his friends Thomas Aaron Ramon, a.k.a. Bear Witness, who was from the Cayuga First Nation. Uh, shout out to Oshweekin Speedway. <laughs> and uh, oh, they were good to me when I worked in Caledonia. They put me in uh, after it was a big race they had. Well, let me get into the Oshweekin Speedway, okay? <laughs> cool things. It was owned by Glenn Styers at the time, and he's a good guy. Um, they brought out Tony Stewart. Do you know Tony Stewart? Sounds familiar in the world of racing. So he's a NASCAR guy. Yeah. And uh, he a few years ago, so when I met him, I didn't know anything about NASCAR. And he could tell. Because, you know, I remember the, the guy he was interviewing him before, he had a cowboy hat on, like a tracksuit with all these sponsors on. Like, this guy was a NASCAR guy. And here I am, radio guy with all my recording equipment. I'm like, hey, what's that thing you do out there? I knew nothing about racing, right? And yeah. he was cool with me. He walked me through it and everything like that. He could tell he didn't know what I was doing. So he was super cool. And I thought, oh, nice guy. And then a few years later, he actually, he almost went on trial for first-degree murder. Because he, he, he took this kind of illegal moved and killed a guy in a race. Oh, geez. Yeah. So I've heard some other accounts of Tony Stewart not being, not being great, but he was nice to me. So there's my I mean, recollection. That's, that's of that. all you can base it on. You can't, I, I, I can't speak to that. All I can speak is my interaction. Yeah. And uh, they also got me into a car at the end of the night and oh, that's uh, drove fun. me out on the track. That was awesome. So that was a good time at the Ush Weekend Speedway that night. Uh, but yes, bear witness. He's from Cayuga First Nation. And John Limoges, I hope I pronounced that right, a.k.a. DJ Fame, excuse me, DJ Frame, um, he was in the group as well. And together, uh, they'd host the first ever electric powwow at Ottawa's Babylon Nightclub. Now, to make this an authentic experience, here's how Campo would do this. The songs that they would play were all created in-house by the three DJs, okay? They would take dubstep, moombaton, and dancehall beats, and they would mix them with um, singing and drumming that Campow himself would record from powwows when he was a kid where he'd participate as a drummer. So all the stuff was recorded by him from local powwows and then mixed over with the dubstep and the moombaton beats and thus, he created all the music in-house those nights for those electric powwows. That's, That's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of work, too. Holy shit. You got to think, those, like your typical club night, um, crowds start getting there about 10, 10.30. Yeah. You go to about 2 a.m. Um, four hours of music that you're creating in-house to keep everybody interested. Yeah. That's a lot. But well, I mean, you gotta you gotta remember it's not all high intensity all the time. Sometimes people yeah. want one that's kind of like slower, and you gotta bring it down a little bit. Let people either bump and grind, or even just like this is a good time to go take a leak or go get another drink or something, and then get all sauced up and go back for when they bring yeah. it up a notch. You gotta you gotta pace it. You gotta pace it a little bit. Well, uh, what's it called? Uh, he would also mix it up a little bit, too, because as the shows went on, he'd bring in hoop dancers and other uh, indigenous dancers from the Ottawa area to compete, guest artists, but keeping the theme of electric powwow going. And uh, they'd proved to be incredibly popular and became an instant fixture at the ba Babylon nightclub, where the shows would be held on the second weekend of every month for the next decade. Until wow. 2017, they were doing these shows as they were getting nominated for Junos. So... 
That's clearly a band that never forgot where they came from. Exactly. They basically did them until um, Ian Campo would leave the group. But we'll get into that a little bit later. So, yeah, they, they kept it going and they stayed good to Ottawa and, this, and in the surrounding area. A uh, few additions would be made over the years, over the next few years. Tim Toolman Hill, Toolman spelt with the number two, um, from uh, Six Nations of the Grand River. Another uh, uh, Six Nations that was close to my own stomping ground in Caledonia. Uh, he joined the crew, as would Dan DJ Shub General, also from Cayuga First Nation. And they adopted the name A Tribe Called Red at the time. Now, this was a tribute to one of their favorite groups, a tribe called Quest. Uh, Basically, just as a tribe called Quest brought light to struggles within the African-American community, a tribe called Red would bring light to issues in Canada's indigenous communities. And they took ownership of the term many critics would use to describe their electric powwows and the music that uh, a tribe called Red was putting out, Powwow Step. And that became their brand and um, the genre they would help create. So, True there's the places. early history of a tribe called Red. Yeah, that's hard to do. Just when you think everything in music has been done, here are these four guys from Ottawa coming up with Powwow Step and uh, continuing to take the music scene by storm. All right, by 2012, a tribe called Red released their first self-titled full-length debut um, initially as a free internet download because we were into that territory come 2012. And since nobody had heard anything like this before, uh, it became an instant critical darling and it was long listed for the 2012 Polaris Prize, which would eventually go to Feist and her album Metals. But getting long listed for the Polaris Prize, your first attempt at an album, yeah, not too bad. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Unfortunately, ah, the Juno Awards were a little late to get on board the Tribe Called Red hype train, but uh, we'll get <laughs> what to else that is a little new? bit later. Yeah. All right. So, as someone who is out of his element with electronic music, I'm not an expert. It's one of those things where it's like, Brian, I don't know art, but I know <laughs> what I like. Uh, I definitely dug how different this release sounded compared to a lot of other electronic music that's out there. Oh, yeah. I, but I connected best with the songs that really embraced the authentic indigenous singing because there was a lot of like Caribbean influence on there and a lot of Jamaican stuff on there, too. I've heard that before. It was the indigenous yeah. stuff that really, really spoke to me. Um, I liked uh, Native Puppy Love was one that stood out to me as well as Intertribal N1. And uh, I also really liked uh, Woodcarver and how they used news clips to address the issue of police violence. So those were the big standouts for me. What did you think of uh, the first album? It was good. Um, I mean, right away, they they kick off with that electric powwow drum, so you know yeah. they're setting they're they're taking a left step instead of like what uh, people would traditionally expect, and then it just went right off and running. And I really love the song Northern Cree, uh, red well, red skin girl. Um, any dated uh, <laughs> words we're not using with malice, so no one get no, up that, my that's, ass. That's, that's it's coming out of this. We are gonna read the titles. This is what they're called. Yeah, I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, I really like that one. I uh, really like Good to Go because I mean that was more traditional, but yeah. it was just it was fun, um, and the same ones that you mentioned. I also like uh, what is it called Mumba, Mumba Wow, 
I like that one. Yeah, Moomba Wow was a good one, too. In fact, I believe Moomba Wow was the uh, first song they'd ever released on the internet back in oh. 2011. So uh, it dates back a little bit further. And that's, uh, uh, sorry, that woodcarver where they're talking about. Yeah. Um, the it's, it's crazy. What I learned in social work was... Um, and, and you don't have to take social work to learn about this. It's in the news and stuff where, yeah. um, especially this is a big problem in the prairies. It's, I mean, we have our problems in Ontario, but like the, the prairies are a whole other beast when it comes to native relations. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in the, I want to say it was out in Saskatchewan. Police mm-hmm. were big on a thing called, I forget what they called it. It was something uh, they called like it the, the moonlight walks. That's what it, yeah, where yeah. they just, they see someone, whether they left a bar or they're just literally going home or something, and they, if they seemed like out of sorts, they'd scoop them up and instead of uh, just taking them to a drunk tank or taking them to just the station to cool off if they had gotten into an altercation or something, or even if just like, you know, taking them home, they would take them almost to the outskirts of town, make them walk home, and then some people would freeze to death. Yeah. Well, what would happen was it started off as a... Uh as I guess this, this one cop just figured, you know, it's not going to do any good taking this guy to jail or anything like that. So I'm going to take him to have him walk it off, right? Yeah. Then some other cops who weren't as community-minded as this guy. Yeah. They start doing it. But then they take their shoes and their coats. So they have to walk barefoot without a coat in the middle of winter back to town. And that's when it became murder. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's freaking messed up. <laughs> it really, really is. And uh, it's also interesting with Woodcarver. You know, I heard about how politically minded a tribe called Red was because I went into this episode pretty cold. Um, yeah. Didn't know much about them. And I wonder, how does an electronic group get a political message across when you're largely instrumental or you're going to be bringing in a rapper who's going to uh, be expressing their point of view or something like that or a singer, right? Who's yeah. going to be expressing their point of view. And they do it. They pull it off. You have yeah. to listen to the albums and you have to listen to the music and the message they play. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be skipping ahead, but there's uh, that song, The OG, that comes yeah. up later. I believe it's on their most recent release where you hear the guy talking in Parliament where he's just yeah. like, you don't give a fuck about indigenous rights. Yeah. That That's cool. Yeah. It's not cool that the government doesn't give a fuck. It's cool that they were able to work that in and get the message across. Yeah. I'm curious. Exactly. I wish I could pull up an old clip on YouTube and see if that, that particular, if he got like tossed out of parliament or what happened after that. Like if it started a big like debate or a row or something in parliament. Because sometimes those guys will argue and bicker and fight and it turns into a whole thing. Yeah, but oftentimes they're just stuffed shirts and they'll, we'll stick yeah. five minute break. Yeah, yeah exactly. Never, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, since their debut was released online, and this is this is something we're going to experience with a tribe called Red or Hallucination that we haven't experienced before because they're so new. Um, the promotion for the album and generating the success of an album comes off a lot different. Yeah. Because they released it online, they didn't expect it to blow up like it did. Promotion was already underway for their follow-up at this time, uh, Nation to Nation. It began almost immediately. They would release The Road in 2012, which proved to be insanely popular. It earned more than 50,000 plays on SoundCloud during its first five months and 300,000 by August of 2018. And it would also serve as the unofficial theme for the Idle No More movement in opposition of Stephen Harper's Bill C-45, 
which many First Nations people saw as a threat to environmental and Aboriginal sovereignty, of which the band were big supporters and participants. The road would also draw a lot of attention from Indigenous groups in the U.S. as uh, kind of harkened back to uh, many protests in the 70s, uh, including the longest walk that saw activists walk from Alcatraz to Washington, D.C. to bring support to tribal sovereignty. And uh, I didn't know this. I didn't know this because I've always kind of looked at, without getting too political on this show, yeah. I've always looked at like Jimmy Carter being like uh, the, the one president who is like pure of heart and everything like that. When they walked from Alcatraz to Washington to meet with Jimmy Carter to talk about indigenous issues, he refused to meet with them. That's the thing. It's, uh, you know, no matter how, I mean, from someone like Jimmy Carter to Obama, whoever, there's, you know, they have a certain job to do and they have all these friggin' pressures and stuff. And so what your original intentions might have been, no matter how pure, the political system just gets muddied and you're not able to and so much interference you know bipartisan bullshit and it just you know you can't get your 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 message across you can't get what you wanted done now i don't know if this is just because he was racist and refused to meet with them or if it was just like this is not pressing on his political agenda i don't know i wasn't alive that was the one area that carter did get a lot of criticism because i remember after his presidency he was from Georgia, right? Yeah. So the Atlanta Braves, who came under a lot of criticism from their name and their use of the tomahawk chop, he would go to their games and was seen actively participating and smiling away doing the chop. Well, and that's the, so, that's, that came from the Florida State Seminoles. That's not well, even their thing. What I'm trying to say is um, ignorance towards indigenous issues has been something. That, yeah. It's not a one-time offense for Jimmy sure. Carter is what I I'm trying you. to say. Yeah. Well, in 2013, Nation to Nation would get its wide release, and it's now viewed as one of the leaders of an artistic indigenous resurgence in Canada, bridging indigenous tradition and futurity. There we go. That was from a, 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 a critic that I read, so futurity. Okay, <laughs> okay. it's not me talking there. Uh, this part is uh, directly lifted from uh, Wikipedia that I'm about to read, just so you know. But it's important to get the context going into... Uh, Nation to Nation. So, okay. the name for Nation to Nation. The name of the album has two layers of meaning. On one hand, the members of the group are originally from different communities. As Campau explained, I'm Ojibwe, Anishinaabe, and the two other guys, Dan and Bear, are both Cayuga. Historically, we're enemies. So together, in forming this group, that's a Nation to Nation relationship. On the other hand... There is a nation-to-nation relationship uh, from the settler nations to the first nations. So, nation-to-nation, it's about unity. Yeah. The end of the day, simply put. Um, It was again long-listed for the Polaris Music Prize, and this time, they'd advance to the final 10 albums. So we're moving up in the world. Uh, Unfortunately, though, that prize was ultimately given to the post-rock experimental group Godspeed you Black Empire, and their album, Alleluia, Don't Bend, Ascend. Do you know this band? Never heard. I, I hadn't heard of them either. Apparently, when they won the award, they just kind of blasted Polaris and corporate sponsorship, and you know, it was bullshit to have uh, a ceremony like this, and then they, they still accepted the award. Of course. It's a cash prize. <laughs> scumbags. It's a cash prize. It can really help you out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, Godspeed, you Black Emperor, 
Alleluia, don't bend, ascend. Post-rock experimental stuff. I'll get to it at some point. Okay, Nation to Nation would do very well at the Aboriginal People's Music Choice Awards, where they'd win both Group of the Year and Album of the Year. Uh, however, going into the 2014 award, uh, Juno Award ceremony, a tribe called Red made a special request to the Academy. They asked that their music not be submitted for consideration in the Aboriginal Album of the Year category. Just they, regular Album of the Year? They just they said, you know what? Any other category. They're just like, we don't want to be judged purely as Indigenous performers. We want to be judged just like you judge everyone else. Yeah. Because, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, if uh, if you follow our Instagram and you've been watching the videos I've been posting all week, like the interviews that I've put with uh, the two guys, because the, they're more recent interviews, um, their whole mission statement from the jump has been, you know, embrace our roots while not trying to be like stereotypes and just kind of like what you when you hear oh it's an aboriginal group it's just a bunch of drums you know what i mean that enchanting yeah but they're like they take it beyond that so they don't want to you know be lumped in and they don't want to you know they want to be positive role models for the community that you you know you don't have to be a certain you can do whatever you want they don't want to be defined yeah yeah they don't want to be defined by just being aboriginal they're just musicians first and foremost yeah, exactly. And this music is for everybody. Yeah. You know, it's it's traditional indigenous music and has it's always been put yeah. out there for everyone. They are well, look, getting look that us. point across, but they're mixing it up. Yeah. Look at us. We're two pasty blue-eyed white kids from with English and Scottish heritage and we love it. So There you go. Uh, this strategy would work as Nation to Nation would be nominated for Electronic Album of the Year, where it would lose to Ryan Hemsworth's album, Guilt Trips. Uh, and I totally forgot that Canada is like really like on the front edge, just like with hip hop and R&B and pop of electronic music. Yeah. I forgot how many electronic artists come out of Canada. <laughs> so yeah, there's, uh, it's still competition every year. <laughs> There's a guy, what's his name? He's from Windsor, who's, like, he was one of the, like, headliners at that movement yeah. festival in Detroit. So he had a lot of fans over the board. What the hell is his name? Shit, it'll come to me afterwards, but he was good. Was it, was it Ryan Hemsworth? No. Okay. Right. It was, uh... There's another guy, too. To okay. It'll come to me later. Okay. Well, uh... They didn't win Electronic Album of the Year, but A Tribe Called Red would not walk away empty-handed that night. They'd win the Juno for Breakthrough Group of the Year. And that's pretty aptly titled, because I looked at some of the other bands, and no, no one was doing something new like this that was as, hey, you know, listeners, you're sleeping under that nice warm comforter, I'm going to pull it right <laughs> off you. <laughs> exactly. This is a very cool album. And uh, that's saying something for me. Again, not being as into electronic as I am to other stuff. Uh, I like some of the 90s vibes that were featured on Sister. And Tonto's Revenge. And I thought NDN Stakes and Different Heroes were absolute bangers. Hey, 
those were songs that I kind of wish yeah. that I had known. Here's here's the the thing: not being an electronic listener, going to uh, and you're a DJ, and you're just playing top forty and some hip hop, and you know what I mean. Just just tracks that everyone knows to keep things up. Yeah. When someone comes over to you and goes, "Hey, you gonna play any like dubstep or Moonbatron?" or I always looked at them with this blank stare, like. <laughs> I can play Sandstorm. You want to hear Sandstorm? <laughs> like that. Just, I look like an absolute fraud. It would expose me. So I wish I had some uh, Tribe Called Red in my back pocket back then. Yeah. <laughs> some of these songs, they would have killed the dance floor. They would have been bouncing up and down and oh, oh, would have been great. So oh, yeah. yeah Got in a little, a little bit late on this train now that I'm not DJing <laughs> anymore. But uh, hey. Who knows what the future holds? Maybe I'll get back into it and I'll I'll have these songs ready to rock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's Richie Houghton, by the way. That was the guy who was oh, Canadian. Okay. He's, a, he's a big name down there, I think. I'm yeah. pretty sure. But uh, yeah, I loved a lot of songs off this. I like Bread and Cheese, Indian States. Yeah, Bread and uh, Cheese was good. I like Bread and Cheese. Uh, so obviously The Road, Different Hero, Sisters was good. And then like they closed it so strong with Red Rhythm, or Rhythm, and yeah, uh, Tonto's Revenge, and Sweet Milk Pop. Those ones were great. Yeah. Um... Actually, was it this one? No, it was the next one. Okay, we'll get, we'll get into this one. We'll get into the next one. Uh, but I, I had a comment about <laughs> me dancing. So that's what I was going to say. Um, with their fame on the rise, a tribe called Red would have to issue a statement. And it's unbelievable that they would have to issue this in this day and age. But again, millennials can be very stupid. <laughs> they would have to ask. We are millennials. Uh, yeah. I think I made my point. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. <laughs> they would have to issue a statement asking non-Indigenous fans to refrain from wearing headdresses and war paint to their show. And I, I think that request is more than fair. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the that one band I liked for a couple years, uh, Walk the Moon... They didn't, it wasn't war paint, but they would do face painting. Like sometimes they put like the two lines kind of thing. Uh, yeah. But not, not in any sort of like cultural appropriation. It was just more like this kind of like dream pop. Like everyone get together and face paint. It's like a community thing. And then like let's all dance kind of thing. But Yeah, it, it's not as direct though. Yeah. You know, when you go to a, a Tribe Called Red show and you're wearing war paint, you're making a, a statement and you're a white yeah. guy. You're making a statement. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope the fans adhered to that. Uh, but you'll still see it all the time at, like, Coachella. All these oh, hipsters yeah. showing up with big headdresses, you know. Or Burning Man or, and things yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, it, I mean, that's, that's been a problem, like, no matter where you go, especially if you go to, like, New Mexico, the, the southwest there. You know, there's tons of, like, native cultural appropriation in terms of, like, decor and the way things are stylized there and... Yeah. It's a whole thing. Well, you know, the, the, the big thing that always got me was this <laughs> was this picture that was taken. It was opening day for the, uh, the then Cleveland Indians. And uh, there's a group protesting. And um, this guy face painted like Chief Wahoo, the logo, walks up to the leader of the, the protest and is like, why can't you see I'm honoring you? What are you fucking stupid? Starts cursing at him. And he's like, someone get a picture of this. <laughs> this is really racist. And I was like, if the guy's telling you you're not honoring him, don't say shut up, I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's there, like, there's levels to, of respect that people aren't aren't getting with. 
one of our friends who's no longer with us, we used to kind of have a joke where he, he was a very intense guy. Very intense guy. And he would sit there, he'd get in your face and be like, hey man, I'm calm and relaxed. Like, yes, clearly, you're screaming in my face how calm you are. Well, that's the thing. If someone says, hey, please don't do that, maybe go, okay. Or to say, oh, okay, what, really? Okay, and talk to them about it. Don't go, no, fuck you. I don't know. Well, this is what I said from the get-go regarding the, the name change of that team. I said, you know, I think if they had done more to reach for community outreach and said, either like, you know, proceeds of ticket sales will go to like yeah. you know, local Ohio tribes or, you know, have a, you know how cer- certain baseball teams have their own like history museum kind yeah. of thing about the team? Yeah. They yeah. could almost be like, you know, here's where the team comes from. Here's how we try whatever. And like, here's, you know, the history of you know, native culture in Ohio or the Cleveland area, something to like show that they're trying to connect and yeah. like, that it's not meant out of malice. Cause I never thought the name was malice. And also like, I think the, I know the smiling logo rubs people the wrong way, but like, what would they want? A frowning, like angry chief. It's a caricature though. You know what I mean? And it, it, it put it this way, getting back to the point you were making. Yeah. There's a AAA team. That's actually their Pittsburgh's AAA affiliate. At least they were for a non time. They're not in Cleveland's. Uh, yeah. But they're called the Indianapolis Indians. Okay. Their uniforms, their logo, just about every bit of promotion that they have done has been consulted with a local um, indigenous tribe to honor them. Yeah. That's honoring. When you're just doing a something that looks like World War II propaganda as your logo yeah. it's not honoring especially when there's no consultation consultation's yeah. a big thing and uh yeah yeah so uh they, they consulted a tribe called red about people wearing authentic indigenous clothes yeah. who are white to their shows and they said yeah please don't do it so hopefully you fans know, got the message even if i was in my in my the more political correct days of like the 2000s you know whatever uh, or politically incorrect days, I should say. I would never, if even if I was a fan of theirs, going to one of their shows, I would never wear that. <laughs> I know you gotta wonder what goes through these kids' minds. Yeah, I think. You I really mean, do. part of it though is this is the other thing. I mean, even though Tribe Called Red or the hallucination has never once said anything about you know drugs or anything like that, but you know that's what the scene, the dance scene, those two things kind of go hand in hand. So you get these dumb, stupid millennial white kids. Off their head on friggin' ecstasy and MDMA and all these things, and they're like, this will be funny, or this will be fun. You know, it's like, then they wake up the next day like, oh, God, what did I do? Yeah, then there's pictures of them in the newspaper. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, 2013 would be a very big year for A Tribe Called Red behind the scenes as well. They'd produced the song, A Tribe Called Red, that was the name of the song, for American indigenous rapper Angel Hayes on her album Dirty Gold. It's a pretty good song, a little more pop than I thought it would be, but you can see it being a big hit. And uh, they'd also produced one of the last songs ever released by the cult alternative hip-hoppers Das Racist, a song called Indians From All Direction, an awesome song that fuses indigenous and East Indian influences. Really good song. Either. Put the money in my motherfucking hand, I'm a motherfucking man, doing what I motherfucking can, wherever the fuck I might motherfucking stand. Redwoods to the New York Islands, what up to the white man? Yeah, I, but this ain't your motherfucking land. You ever listen to Das Racist? I know you like Run the Jewels and a lot of that alternative hip hop. You ever listen to them? No, but I'll check them out. Oh, okay. Be a fan after the fact, maybe. 
Just like with the with most electronic artists, singles were a big thing for a tribe called Red. In 2014, they would release Burn Your Village to the Ground, about the complicated relationship indigenous people have with many of the colonialist connotations surrounding Thanksgiving. In 2014, they withdrew from performing at the opening ceremonies of the Canadian Museum of Human Rights in Winnipeg out of concern over the museum's depiction of indigenous human rights issues. They were streets ahead on this one, as that museum has come under scrutiny ever since it opened. They decided to do a museum. Okay, so they they decided to do a museum on human suffering and built it on indigenous land. (laughs) So right away, they weren't off to a good start. But then, like, I, I remember they they uh, they tried to do a big display. They, they had two displays this one year. One was going to be about the suffering of Jewish people during the Holocaust and the suffering of indigenous Canadians. And then you had Ukrainian groups step up and say, well, what about the suffering of Ukrainians during the Holodomor, the, the famine, and uh, how Ukrainians were put in... Uh, uh, about camps during World yeah. War II. Um, and or then later. Japanese internment camps there. Exactly. And then later they said, uh, they told uh, religious groups, if you're going to book tours of the museum, you can choose whether you want the tour that features uh, the suffering of LGBTQ people or not. We can skip it if you don't like them. And I was like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Just... And then, like, the curator that they had earlier last year was apparently saying a bunch of racist shit. Like, it's been a very problematic, <laughs> very problematic. They, every couple of years, they're like, no, we're going to get on track. We're going to cover the suffering of all peoples. We are going to set out what we've designed to do. This good idea on paper. And they've always got to release that apology, like, every two years. So oh I think a tribe called Red could kind of see the, <laughs> the troubles coming. And they're like, no, no, yeah. I got to deal with you guys. Hey, Brian, you know I'm a huge wrestling fan, right? I knew we were going to go into this. <laughs> called Red are huge wrestling fans too and in 2015 they'd released the pro wrestling themed EP Suplex now four tracks they've all got wrestling themed names uh, but there wasn't a whole lot of like I thought maybe they'd mix it like a little bit of like Bret Hart's theme music or yeah. Austin's theme music or something like that and then, like what the they, Rascals did yeah just like what the Rascals did or what Wyclef did with The Rock yeah um, but there wasn't a whole lot of that. It was just kind of like just upbeat, intense music with wrestling theme names. Uh, but the one song I really, really dug on this, and it kind of is an idea of what where the tri- a tribe called Red would go. Because they would get all this fame. A lot more fame than a lot of indigenous artists will get in Canada. Yeah. So they would do things like take an indigenous hip-hop legend, in this case Helen Beck, the first ever... Canadian indigenous hip-hop artist to appear on Much Music, and they had him rap a track for them, and that was The People's Champ, and it's my favorite track on that album. Eskimo for years, minus the black trench, point to left field, start crushing the first pitch, you know like you just switch, that all depends on the circle that you keep, minus family and friends, you're only as strong as your weakest link, and if you think I'm wrong, then please. So, yeah, that was good. How, I, really, I, I also really that. like Body Slam, but that was good. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of which, um, when you think of indigenous artists from Canada, um, who would be the first to come to mind? You think 70s, 60s, female? Are you talking about uh, Buffy St. Uh, Marie? 
Buffy St. Marie, that's yeah. right. You know, we know we're in Canada, but they, they were, you know, they know how important a figure Buffy St. Marie is. So Tribe Called Red later that year would remix her song, Working for the Government, and I loved it. It's like a six-minute remix, but it brings <laughs> Buffy St. Marie's music to a whole new audience. And um, they're aware of the fame they have and the influence they have, and yeah. they're using it for good. They're bringing highlights to a whole bunch of artists that have largely been ignored by the masses. So, and the other thing too is, yeah, they're they're bringing uh, they're they're bringing a lot of Canadian, like especially we'll, I will, I'm sure we'll get into it over the next two albums where they bring a lot more people on. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, they're just it's it's like what the old tribe stuff was. It was never about like shaming the white man. It was more like, no, no, we need to be more Afrocentric and take care of each other. And it's the same thing that they're they're doing too. They're like, you know, we're we're a community. We need to be a community. Nation to nation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tribe Called Rest, their third album on September 16th, 2016, called We Are the Halusi Nation. This was the group's first attempt at a concept album, and it's inspired by the work of Native American activist and poet John Trudell. Now, if you ever get a chance to read about this guy, he has lived a hell of a life. Um, it's fascinating stuff. Um, then he appeared on two tracks on this album. Sadly, though, he would not live long enough to see their release as uh, he passed away of cancer at the age of 69. So that's a sad, uh, sad thing. Let me ask you, Ted, before we keep going through this, uh-huh. um, for this album, when they changed their name to The Hallucination, did they say, did you find any articles or anything as to why they switched from Tribe Called Red to this? Or is it like, are they trying to be like some more worldwide ambassador type thing? Or it's like a more of a communal thing? And I haven't, that, I haven't read that yet. Largely, in fact, because they only changed their name this year. So they released no, We Are the Hallucination the, in 2016. They didn't change from A Tribe Called Red to The Hallucination uh, until this year. Yeah. So they released um, some tracks to come as A Tribe Called Red as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The concept would involve telling stories on the impact colonization has had on indigenous people in the modern world. Among the stories was that of Chani Wanjak, a young First Nation boy who died from exposure and hunger while trying to escape a residential school. And the Wanjak Project is a charity that A Tribe Called Red has been heavily involved in uh, for the last several years. That's the Gord Downey thing, right? Yeah, Gord Downey did the uh, the album about it, too. But... uh, what year was that one? That was roughly around the same time, around 2016 Yeah, yeah. So the, 2017? Kind of coincided on that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? I Just to get off track with Gord Downey, did you ever see, it was just before he died, um, one of the yeah. big ceremonies that they'll do with a, with an, a non-Indigenous person um, to really say, hey, you've done good for us, is, is a, it's a blanket ceremony. Well, they'll yeah. take the blanket and they'll wrap you in the blanket. You see a look on Gord's face when he got that? Oh, yeah. It looked like he was going to cry. Oh, my cry. God. That looked like the biggest honor of his life. Yeah. That was that's, that was emotional. I'm watching that on TV. <laughs> that was. Um, anyway. To help tell these stories, A Tribe Called Red recruited a long list of guest performers. Uh, this includes Black Bear. Now, Black Bear has worked with A Tribe Called Red since the beginning. Because I told you... Um, Ian Campo would go out and he'd record this stuff from local powwows. Eventually, he'd run out of recordings. Uh, So Black Bear, they're from Quebec, and they do traditional indigenous music. They tour and they'll do powwows and they'll do other showings 
So they provide a lot of that traditional singing and drumming that you've been hearing in their more recent releases. So you'll always see like Tribe Called Red, Black Bear. Black Bear does that. Um, Also on this, it would feature Anuk throat singer Tanya Tagak. And that's pretty cool. That's become a big thing in the TikTok era. Um, There's several uh, Inuk throat singers that become huge on TikTok as uh, cultural music has become a big thing through it. That's one of the positives of TikTok. I'm serious. Like, um, I like Irish sea shanties have become big, you know, and throat singing become huge, too. That's random. But I, I, I was whipping on Jake the other day yeah. or not the other day, a couple of weeks ago. He's like, are you on TikTok? I'm like, no, Jake, I'm not a, I'm not a 16 year old girl or a pedophile. What have you doing on TikTok? He's like, what are you obsessed with pedophiles? I'm not obsessed with pedophiles. It's like you called me a pedophile a couple of times. There are some cringe things about TikTok, especially when you see, like, fat old bald guys respond to a 16-year-old's video. Yeah. Um, but TikTok, like anything, it could be used for a lot of good. And for sure. uh, getting, like, uh, you know, cultural music that has gone ignored for a long time out there to the masses, like throat singing, that's a cool thing. Uh, but, yeah. Should we do a TikTok page? I don't know what uh, we do. So. Yeah, clips like, from the show? It's like... Yeah, what am I gonna do? Just film myself. This is me editing our show. Like, yeah, and if you can think, not, let's leave it up I to the know, fans. We're, not, we're goofy, but we're not TikTok goofy. Let's leave it up to our ten listeners, and that might be generous. <laughs> if you can think of a way me and Brian can incorporate TikTok into this, we'll do it. Okay. Several non-Indigenous performers also make appearances on this album, including Colombian-Canadian singer Lido Pementia and rappers like Shad, Most Def. Narcy and Saul Williams I'll make appearances here and we are the hallucination did very well both critically and commercially it peaked at number 17 on the billboard heat seeker chart but also made it to number seven on the dance and electronic charts in the states so Americans who are fans of electronic music they have definitely taken notice of the hallucination and they are on the radar so that's a good thing and uh, speaking of American audiences our friends at Pitchfork got in on this one. They would give the album 8 out of 10, calling it politically thrilling and immediate. Brian, what does it take to get a 10 out of 10 for the people at Pitchfork? Take a microphone, put it 10 feet across the room, yell awkwardly with an out-of-tune guitar, and have some random drum like every 5 seconds off time. <laughs> You'll get a 10 out of 10. I don't know. It just that It's one of those things where it's like... I think a lot of grandfathered in bands who are uh, like your radio heads and your, you know, you're very, the ones that get all the we are accolade, uh, accolades are the, the ones that usually will get. But I mean, sometimes it's just, it actually is deserved. Some of those ones that are like, that, that are perfect are, are deserved, but other times they're, they're too harsh on others and too soft on others because that's the thing. Those grandfathered in ones get the benefit of the doubt. I know you and me have that story from Say Ferris about how they wiped. Yes, they got the 9 gave, out of 10. Yeah, they they gave it a, almost the perfect album review because that album is amazing. It's the the debut, or not the debut, the because they did it an EP, but the first full-length album from Say Ferris yeah. got a per, almost perfect review. They wiped it off their fucking page for the longest time because they couldn't give a ska band almost the perfect review. Fuck those cunts. <laughs> you have to, Pardon my French. You have to look to find it. But when, <laughs> have you ever actually read it? No. So I think the writer of that review was kind of like fed up with how miserable musicians had become 
in that yeah. era of the 90s. And so he was so happy to see a ska band who's happy and they clearly love what they're doing. Yeah. He wrote, it's so refreshing to see positivity for a change that I almost, I almost came in my pants. That's what the guy wrote. <laughs> that is a quote from this review. And um, what's it called? Yeah, apparently Pitchfork didn't think their own writer's review was hip enough to stay up there, but it's there. It's there. Anyway, <laughs> we're not talking about St. Ferris. We're talking about um, uh, a, a hallucination. And, uh, yeah, uh, the, the critics, not just Pitchfork, were very kind to this, especially back in Canada. It would once again be shortlisted for the 2017 Polaris Prize. This time, they're actually beaten by one of their collaborators, Lido Pimentia, and her album La Papessa. Uh, actually uh, beat them for the award. So, well, you know, they didn't get it. They kind of stayed in the family. It was one of their friends, and she's super yeah. young and everything like that. So she's also an electronic artist, except she does a lot of Colombian singing and stuff like that. So, you know. Um, although, well, I'm sure you'll get into the Grammys and stuff. Or the Junos. Oh, they're next. Junos. They're next on the list. Yeah. Oh, I thought you had something else to say. No, no, I was going to say, I was going to give my feedback, but... Uh, you can do the Gra- uh, G- I keep saying Grammys the Juno's part first <laughs> there are Grammys uh, there are Grammys yeah. it was funny too because I was talking to a, a guy at work about just how you know me and you always talk about you know with awards they should wait 10 years before they give an award out just to see how truly not 10 5 to 7 uh, okay well, just, to, just to see how truly an album what albums are remembered what albums actually make an impact that kind of thing instead of doing it year by year um, and the first awards show I used as an example was the Junos. Instead of going like the Oscars, the Grammys, the Tonys, I was like, the Junos, uh, the Grammys. And, you know, then I got into everything and I was like, the Junos are front and center thanks to this podcast. For me. <laughs> well, the Juno Academy did recognize We Are the Hallucination with three nominations. They'd lose, unfortunately, Electronic Album of the Year to K. Tranda and his disc 99.9%. The video for R.E.D. would lose Video of the Year to Grimes and her video for Kill vs. Mame. But... That's a good song, though. But a tribe called Red would be recognized as producers of the year. Oh, good. Yeah, particularly for their work on the tracks R.E.D. and Sila. Now, I'm not sure if this is another case of the Junos being weird or just because the Tribe Called Red never stops working, but 2018, <laughs> they would win Group of the Year. Uh, they would beat bands like Always, uh, Broken Social Scene, The Arcade Fire, and Headley, whose nomination was actually revoked because of rampant sexual assault allegations. Fuck you, Headley. That's good. I was going to say, uh, if, if they got shut out for anything, I'm like, what do they got to do? This is like, this is their masterpiece. <laughs> like, they put so much, they pulled out all these stops. Uh, like, even, like, you didn't mention it in some of the collaborators, but one of my favorite songs on this album is The Muse with the singer Jen Kreisberg. I thought that song was amazing. I, and, uh, I, I, you know what's weird? I think I forgot to write down my thoughts on this album. <laughs> Oh, um, I'm looking at the thing. You're right. I didn't mention that uh, that song. Oh shit! I thought what? I wrote it. Oh, here the we muse. go. I skipped over it. I skipped over it. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go first. The the muse. Uh, the light. I like the Miami Coopy. Uh, the fun little like more poppy song. Yeah. The virus red. Like the list goes on. This thing is like almost to quote Josh Adamize. This is almost the perfect album. 
Well, I'll tell you, I was cleaning my kitchen when I was listening to this, and I was dancing and hand-jiving away uh, <laughs> as I was listening to this one. I think it is their best work to date. I really appreciated the John Trudell tracks as well as the Joyce, Joseph Boyden phone calls uh, throughout it, which actually tell the story of Channy Wenjack and what he went through. Um, I love the hip-hop tracks as a hip-hop fan of R.E.D. and How I Feel. Um, and what I really liked about the album is when you put on your headphones and listen to it start to finish, you feel like you've been taken on a journey. That I completely is, forgot about how I feel. Shad, is, his performance is so good on that. We'll do a, I love Shad. We'll have to do a Shad episode at some oh, point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe he'll put us on his show on CBC Radio. Oh, he doesn't? I think he got replaced by somebody else. Oh, okay. Oh, all I right. think. I could be wrong. All right. Yeah. Uh, but what's it called? There's a good interview of Shad interviewing Norm MacDonald on uh, Q&A. Because oh, yeah. there's a big push where they fire Gianganeshi to get Norm to host it. Just to go real, like, outside of the box. <laughs> and so Shad had Norm on. And they talked about it. Norm's like, yeah, you're way more in touch with the kids. Uh, I would have done terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also, like, on this show, I mean, maybe Gianganeshi tries too, tried too hard to go deep. Like, I told you the story of when he, he did this long loaded intro for Tegan and Sarah and the, I think it was Tegan was like wow you're really like creeping us out how in depth you are like, like you really tried too hard there and they, like, they were just joking because they're funny but uh, I don't think Norm MacDonald has the uh that emotional ability to try to go in depth with an artist. Well, You'd be like, eh, this is good. We, we talked about like intros. If you ever watch his like Netflix show or back when he had Norm MacDonald has a show he, it's just like how you've been doing with this episode the last few weeks, this season, how we just kind of pick up mid-conversation. Yeah. Us- that's usually how his show starts. There's no intro. <laughs> He's just sitting there across from uh, no, Michael Keaton or David Letterman, and they're just talking. How it goes. So, yeah. There's no, I did my research. Come look at me. It's just, hey, you're famous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's basically every night uh, nighttime talk show. Yeah, I saw it. Fluff bullshit. I saw an interview with Norm, and he's like, uh, yeah, people come up to me all the time to say, I do an impression of you. And it's always, yee! <laughs> <laughs> even you look at any comedian, like even uh, like Jim Brewer does a good Norm, he but does. it always starts with that, eh. Yeah, the, eh. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Brewer worked with him on uh, on SNL, so he knows him pretty good. Yeah. He does a good Norm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in 2017, Tribe Called Red would actually shift their focus to film. They were the subject of the documentary When They Awake by filmmakers PJ Marcelino and Herman Farahai, which debuted on opening night of the Calgary International Film Festival. Now, in addition to that, their music has appeared on the Showtime series The Good Lord Bird, the Netflix animated series Kippo and the Wonder Beasts, and the Peacock, Peacock sitcom Rutherford Falls, starring none other than Mr. That helps. <laughs> Did you see, uh, you can find a, uh, you know, in the whole COVID, everyone doing these Zoom chats. Yeah. There's a, there's a Zoom chat with the two guys, Ed Helms and some other guy. They're just literally talking about the music of the show. Oh, is that right? It's interesting. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll have to check. Well, that's the hallucination who does that. Yeah. And it is a show where, you know, they brought in a lot of Native American actors. And yeah. they didn't get, like, a Hispanic guy or an Italian guy to play 
a Native American, which they so often did, used to do, at least yeah. in Hollywood. Um, Except for that, uh, the Canadian actor, what's his name, Ken Watanabe? Ken Watanabe is Japanese. I don't know, who am I thinking of? There's another guy. Shit. I mean, there's a lot. The, Graham Greene was nominated for an Oscar. He's from Six Nations of the Grand River uh, for Dances with Wolves. Um, you had Lauren Cardinal, who uh, was on, uh, what's it called, um, Corner Gas uh, for all those years. Yeah. Uh, my Adam Beach, who I'm actually going to get into. That's who I, I was got thinking something about of. Adam Beach coming up, so we'll talk about. Adam That's Beach who I was thinking of, not Ken, not Watanabe. Yeah. Sorry, it's okay. Adam Beach, yeah. You have uh, what's it called West Studi, who just got honor- honored with an honor honorary um, Oscar at the last ceremonies. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot of terrific uh, Native American actors who often will, you know, the studio needs a name. You know what I mean? So look at Daniel Day Lewis to play a Native American. I don't know. Did he actually play, or is he like an Englishman? Who? I haven't seen Last of the Mohicans, so I don't know. I don't want to criticize Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. That's one of my mom's favorite movies, actually. My dad, too. Loves my dad loves it. Well, it's Michael Mann. Michael Mann's yeah. awesome, so I, I, that's on my list. I haven't gotten to it. Anyway, getting back to uh, Tribe Called Red. In 2017, founding member Ian DJNDN Campo would leave the group out of health concerns, and they'd continue as a duo for the time being. So, um, you know, hopefully he's doing well. Um, yeah. And you were right, that was 2017. I didn't know what I was talking about earlier. Uh, so you know what I was... Yes, the hallucination, that's what I was talking about, the name change, not Campo leaving. But yes, yeah. he did leave in 2017. Anyhow, the next change was the change to the name, and that came up this year. Tribe Called Red officially changed the name to The Hallucination. And earlier this year, this is the most recent album we have covered on the Canada FM podcast. One more Saturday night would be released. Um, Now, this would largely... It is literally so hot off the presses. It's July 30th. It's a month old. So we got good timing on this one. (laughs) This would actually largely be comprised, though, of tracks that were individually individually released as singles um, the years following Nation to Nation. So like I said, when you're an electronic group, you never stop working. And, uh, you know, the hallucination didn't stop working. So while this album officially came out last month, a lot of these tracks have been out for a while. You had NDN Cars with Keith Sokoa. Remix of his song Indian Car, which was featured in the 1994 Canadian film Dance Me Outside, which featured Adam Beach, who we were talking about, as well as Hugh Dillon of the Headstones. I've actually got a bit of a story about this um, movie. Okay. So when I worked in Perry Sound, um, we had a lot of just characters from the community who would stop by or phone in and talk to us and stuff like that. And I forget the guy's last name. His first name was Dougie. But he'd always call himself the Gabster. And he'd be calling me up, it's your old pal, the Gabster. Right? He wrote a song about me. Oh, God. Now, he didn't write about me. Sorry. That's a little bit egotistical of me. But I am name dropped. That's on brand for you. I am name dropped in the song. How's that? Okay? Because part of the song, he told me the story. 
He said he was at the Chinese food restaurant next door and he was walking out and he looked up and he saw me staring out the window. So part of his song was like, it was kind of like about a relationship that went bad and he was leaving town and the lyrics like included, I got Moose FM on the radio, Teddy Jessup saying goodbye. Like, <laughs> it's pretty cool to feature in the song. Is this on Spotify? Please tell okay. me it is. I don't know if he's ever recorded it. He just showed me the oh, lyrics. Okay. He wanted the song to sound like NDN Carr by Keith Sokola. And I'd never heard the song before. So when he came in to show me the lyrics, he played me it. Now, it was a white guy telling me this song's super funny. And it's basically kind of like a wink and nod. Like, you know, here are all the stereotypes you guys think of us. I'm going to put it in about our crappy cars and stuff like that. I'm going to put it in the song, right? Like, Keith Sokola was kind of doing a... Um, Kind of like a hint, hint, wink, wink kind of thing. Right. But this guy thought it was hilarious. Uh, but he also told me all about Dance Me Outside. And he said Adam Beach was amazing in Dance Me Outside. And I need to see Dance Me Outside. So that is kind of my story about the movie Dance Me Outside. I still haven't seen it. But this guy was inspired by that movie to write a song where I get name dropped. Maybe one of these weekends, you and the missus should have a, a native double feature. The last of the Mohicans and Dance Me Outside. Dance Me Outside. Well, you know what? I do want to check out Dance Me Outside. It was actually one of the first acting roles, too, of uh, Hugh Dillon from the Headstones. So the Headstones are probably going to be a band that we cover on this. I should probably get some Hugh Dillon films under my belt as well. So I've got so lots of reasons to watch. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, Flashpoint. Hugh Dillon, <laughs> stop playing with the Headstones. I get over to the Flashpoint team. I've seen uh, that's another one for you, logo. Brent. That's that's about it. Uh, hardcore logo, yeah, yeah. He's done a lot of stuff. He did a was it John from Cincinnati, the Showtime series that he did. He did a Showtime series, so he was the lead actor. I don't know. Dylan. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. Anyhow, NDN Cars loved it, and it's another example of a tribe called, or excuse me, the hallucination saying, "Hey, here's another indigenous music legend. Pay attention to this guy. He's good." Um, there was the Caribbean-inspired Banana, which featured rappers Javier Mighty, singer Odario, and the Chippewa Travelers. I loved that one. Uh, yeah. The very funky Tanukumbia, and the charity yeah. single Land Back, which raised uh, proceeds for the Wet'suwet'en First Nation in opposition of the Coastal Gaslink Pipeline. I really like this album. In fact, yeah. I would probably say, if I were to go song by song, on one more Saturday night, I would say it's my favorite Hallucination album. But you don't get the same kind of experience with that as you did with We Are the Hallucination. So yeah. because of that journey, and because that journey is hard to get across in song, I'll still go with We Are the Hallucination as my favorite, but this is a close number two. I really dug this one. Um, yeah. There was a lot more uh, collaborations on here than I remember. Uh, what am I talking about here? I really like this album. There are a lot more collaborations on here than, oh, there were more collaborations on this album than there was on We Are the Hallucination. Outside of the singles, I was a big fan of uh, Remember 02, Stay, Takarita and Mother Mother and I wrote that Mother Mother kind of had a bit of a Kanye West vibe to it I really dug it uh, and, yeah. and, and Stay and, had a very Post Malone vibe yes we were talking about that earlier because you were playing it when we uh, started talking today <laughs> Stay tell me where you wanna go she said she Yeah, they're kind of, you know, that, 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 that's what they do. You, you take little influences here, little influences there, and cook them in a big pot, and uh, 
you know, you make your make your music. What'd you think of uh, one? Got your musical gumbo. Yeah. What'd you think of one more Saturday night? It's good. Um, I really like Indian Car. Yeah, that's so much fun. <laughs> that one. Yeah. At first, like with the with the very like upbeat kind of thing, it almost had like a weird like Cotton Eye Joe vibe. But it was just not a it's not a gimmick song like Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. It was actually like a good song. But uh, and yeah, the the ones that you all named and it's over is good. It's just so much good shit on here. When we fly, they brought back Jen Kreisberg again. That was good. And um, and then the OG we were talking about that. Yeah, earlier. the OG was another powerful one. Yeah, I gotta find that clip from like C-SPAN or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, usually, at this point in the episode, we go over why didn't this band make it big in the U.S. I don't think that's fair to do with the hallucination. No, they're still mid. They're barely like go, getting going. They've only been going for a handful of years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I really wanted to do this because this episode because. I think when I first heard, usually we do this part at the beginning, but we're doing it at the end here. When I first heard of A Tribe Called Red, one of the reasons why I didn't listen to them right away, because I didn't know anything about them, was A, um, Electronica wasn't my thing, but B, because the name sounded like A Tribe Called Quest, I remember there was another can- a Canadian group called Rides Again that sounded like yeah. Rise Against, and sometimes when you have a name that sounds similar to another band, I just... It doesn't feel fleshed out, you know what I mean? So I use yeah. those kind of ah, just stupid criteria to judge a band before I even listen to them. And that was on me. Yeah. I should have been listening to these guys a long time ago, because especially when I was DJing, because they really could have helped me out of some jams some nights had I been familiar <laughs> with their music. Um, and I really feel like I missed the boat. And, uh, you know, when you did that uh, video on Indigenous Artists on Canada Day, uh, I felt like we should put some Indigenous, include some Indigenous Artists on, uh, on Canada FM. Because there's a lot of great ones um, that people miss out on. Because they're not, yeah. they you know, we're working to bring, you know, uh, diversity and stuff like that. But unfortunately, a lot of Indigenous music is still relegated to, like, maybe CBC Radio or yeah. um, APTN. Well, used to show a lot of music videos and had to, like... I was going to say, I told yeah. you... To when I was editing this thing on Canada Day, uh, and I, we were talking about Derek Miller, oh yeah, it was it was a random Saturday night. I was I don't know what the hell I was doing home because I was like older, so I usually we go to the bar or, or something. But I was sitting at home and I'm, I'm I, I was enthralled. I was flipping through the stations and I landed on APTN, and Derek Miller was yeah. just ripping this friggin' soul. I'm like, who is this guy? And he was he was fantastic. Derek Miller, I actually got to know pretty well when I worked in Caledonia because he lived on um, Six Nations of the Grand River. And I actually, it was that night I got to go into the uh, the, the race car. He was there. because uh, he, he races. He, he has a car That's and a cool. team and everything like that. And he, he got into television and did all kinds of great stuff. Um, he was waiting in line to get a hot dog. And he was like, oh, hey, Derek. How's it going? Hey, man, how are you doing, Ted? Like, you, you remember? <laughs> I thought it was cool. Like, this big-time musician, like, knew who I was and stuff like that. We talked a little bit in line. Um I gotta recommend his song "Damned If You Do, Damned If You Don't" with Willie Nelson. That's a killer Derek Miller song. So if you get a chance to listen to that, have some fun with that one. Well, the other thing too, if you watch that video uh, that I made on our Instagram, mm-hmm. there's an overarching theme that, and this is what a tribe called Red slash the Hallucination has been trying to, you know, get their across from the jump. 
just because it's aboriginal native indigenous whatever you want to call it 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 doesn't rely solely on the, the typical traditional sound like mm -hmm. all those bands that i portrayed it's very different one from the next yeah like down from the uh that like one that was more folksy to you know Derek miller's blues buffy saint marie and then you get robbie robertson probably one of the greatest artists or songwriters who've of native descent or sorry period descent. yeah that's true <laughs> songwriters in general everyone gives bob dylan too much credit he doesn't get enough oh robbie robbie needs more credit yeah 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 but um do yourself a favor. If you're not into electronic electronic music, uh, give the hallucination a chance. Because I was not into electronic music, uh, but I've become a fan of theirs. I follow them yeah. now on uh, on uh, uh, Spotify, and I'll tell you when they put out their follow up to One More Saturday Night. If we're still doing the show, because it could be a couple of years from now, yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll do a, a track by track review, like we planned to do with Mariana's Trench. So. Yeah, you know what? This was a cool week because I went in totally blind with the hallucination, and um, I enjoyed uh, enjoyed the experience. Yeah, I knew I knew about one percent. Yeah, uh, like I remembered some vague things from a tribe called Red, but I was just like, when I first was going through it, uh, even just to edit the like uh, uh, indigenous video for Canada Day, I was like. You know, with a name like a tribe called Red, I thought there would be more hip hop. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what? But uh, it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, it's been a good season so far <laughs> between Blue yeah. Rodeo, Amanda Marshall, Marianne Stretch, and now the Hallucination. We're uncovering a lot of good music that we uh, haven't really listened to. And uh, oh, brace yourselves, we're getting into a two-parter starting next week. We done okay. So we we just covered a band that put out an album last month. Okay, we are going back, and we are going to cover one of the highest performing Canadian bands of the '70s, April Wine. Next week, it's 16 albums, Brian. So strap oh, in. Obviously, we're splitting. We're going to split it up. We'll do the first eight next week. Still, you know, we had what four with uh, Hallucination, three with Amanda Marshall, four with Mary Stretch, and still double our usual uh, listening hall. Yeah. But uh, oh. Poor cat. Oh, the cat's sick and moaning. It's heartbreaking! <laughs> oh, he's running to the basement to puke. Oh, great. Now i got to go find the puke. So the one cat, <laughs> our, big, our big fat boy, Griff, he'll just puke up here. So I can just find it and clean it up. Caboose, our skinny slonky boy, he likes to run to the basement and find a hard-to-find corner to puke. So i got to walk like around on puke patrol to clean it up. <laughs> Anyway, um, the, the the last thing I'll say about a tribe called the hallucination, yeah. like you know, we were we were saying how we don't really want to label why haven't they made it bigger in the states, blah blah blah, because well, first of all, with each passing album and performance, their audience has been growing yes. and growing and growing, and also, you know, this like we talked about, no matter how much you try to stray from that label. Aboriginal music will always get put in a little bit of a box. So you probably won't hear it as much on your top 40 dance stations and stuff. That uh, This band is one of those ones that is growing through the internet. It is growing uh, in their own scene. They don't, they're not reliant on, you know, typical charts, typical, the old metrics, the old guard, if you will. Yeah, they don't need yeah. that shit. No, they're, they're and like... You look at any of their performances, you look at live footage, it's always huge turnouts. Yeah. 
And like they've been do apparently some of the videos that I've been watching when in like editing stuff, like they've been doing stuff like this around the world and getting huge turnouts. Oh yeah, They're no, they've some... done big festivals in England and um, I believe Japan and Germany. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. And also Australia probably because you know, that's the other thing. The States, Canada, Australia, where there's, you know, Aboriginal history and roots is where the their message will resonate because yeah. the no matter where they're all going through the same things. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's um it's perspective that they're taking to the whole world and it's there for everyone to listen to. And you know what? Everyone should listen to it because it's good shit. It's good shit. All right. So that puts uh, the, the an end to our uh, the hallucination episode. I had a great time. We'll come back next week with part one of our April wine episode. You know the other thing here, Brian? Not a whole lot of bullshit on this episode. I know my brother said one of our episodes, he's like, I tuned in to hear you guys talking about Sloan, and five minutes in, you were talking about Will Forte. <laughs> we stayed on point here. Yeah, maybe it's because of the time of day that we're doing it. We're not as delirious from the world, but we yeah. stayed on track. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. It's, it's just also, this music is, well, first of all, it doesn't lend itself to that deep analysis in terms of like, oh, I was picking up a whatever vibe, trying to like. Well, we were you know, doing that. Him. We had the one song with the Kanye West vibe, one song with the Post no, Malone vibe. I know what I'm saying is like you don't have to like search that deep for it. It's you know, it's like, do you enjoy this? Is it like, is there a message? That's what we need. Yeah. And then you know, we we don't need to go into as deep analysis. So, it's it just it's good music, and they seem like good guys. They yeah. just seem like they just the it's a nice friendship there. It's like a you and I, and they just love what they do, and they're it just comes through in their music because it's a they offer from all the footage I've seen, they offer a positive experience at their concerts, and it's just you know it's like the same thing Tribe tried to do. It's. Uh, Try to call Quest, and that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Try to, yeah, try to offer a good experience for the fans and just positive positivity in their in their lyrics and messaging. There it is. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with part one of our two-parter on April Wine. Uh, make sure you follow us on Spotify. Give us a five-star review on Apple Music. Why, Brian? We are five-star men. We are five-star men. <laughs> <laughs> And follow us on the IG and the Twitter and uh, not the TikTok yet. We'll hold on. We'll figure out the TikTok at some different point. But if you got an idea of what we can do on TikTok, let us know. Uh, that does it for this episode of Canada FM. I'm Ted. I'm Brian. I'm just going to say goodbye because I got nothing witty to say. Go clean up after your sick cat. Oh, yeah, I got to do that. That's <laughs> something I'm not looking forward to. Yeah. yeah.